Hallelujah. This is our welcome weekend, and uh, we're excited that you're here with us. And uh, we're just going to take some time tonight just to talk about who we are as a church and what we believe God's called us to do as a church. We are in the middle of our Good News series, and we kicked that off last week. And uh, this is a series that we're going to be carrying all the way up until Mother's Day, where we're just going to be talking about the good news of Jesus Christ and what that means and how that impacts our lives. And so tonight we're working that into the reality of the church. And so we're going to be talking talking about who, the, uh, who God has called the church to be and how he's called us to operate in light of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to be doing. And as we do that, we're going to kind of just weave in a little bit of who we are and how we feel like that God has called us to fulfill the mission of the church and do the things that he's called us to do. We are one church with three locations now. So we launched our location in Suffolk, and this is their second week um, there in Suffolk. So we're super excited about that. And uh, Pastor Fred and Vanessa Michaud are the lead pastors of the church. They mainly speak out of our Newport News campus. And then I'm here at the Williamsburg campus with Michelle. And then we have Pastor Justin and Stephanie out in the Suffolk campus. And we primarily going to speak at each one of our own campuses. They, uh, we will rotate through at times and so we'll have different pastors here at different campuses at times so you'll see Pastor Fred here in a couple of weeks and a little while later this spring you'll see Pastor Justin here and so we're going to be rotating through so you get a little bit snapshot of that but each one of our campuses we have live worship we have live speaking at each one of our campuses because we believe God's called us to be a church that creates and, and starts multiple campuses and launches multiple churches so that people's gifts can be used in the local church and so we are set out not not just as a growth strategy for multiple campuses, but as an intentional discipleship strategy in launching multiple campuses. And so that's kind of a little bit a snapshot of who we are in the sense of the way we're structured. And so um, just wanted to give you a little bit of highlight of that before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of some things. And so as we've been talking about the Good News series and launched into that last week, one of the challenges I wrote out to you and I just uh, threw out to you and I want to throw it out to you again is, is I want you to ask yourself the question, what is the good news? What is the gospel? I want you to ask yourself that question. If you can even think of it, write it down in your notes right now or kind of just journal it, text it to yourself, write it on your neighbor's arm. But ask yourself that question, like what is the good news? And I want you to, to really think about it and really see what your answer is. And, and I'm challenging you that as we go through the next couple of weeks to recall that and to remind yourself of what your answer was and see what your answer is. And the reason I'm doing that is because it's, it's, it's massively important that we know what the answer is when we say, what is the good news? Because if we're Christians and if we're followers of Christ and we say, hey, the Bible is true and we believe in Jesus and Jesus is the good news, we better know what the good news is. And oftentimes when we ask ourselves or we ask believers or ask people in the church, what is the good news? We get varying answers, drastically varying answers sometimes. And there is a very simple and clear and concise answer to what the good news is. And the good news is what we're going to be talking about. And so we're going to hit that a little bit tonight, but I just wanted to throw that challenge out to you one more time. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 again tonight. We're going to be there for a couple of weeks and uh, hanging out in Ephesians, moving around there. And then we'll see where else we go throughout this series. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 again tonight. The reason that I wanted to be here in Ephesians chapter 3 is one is Ephesians, one of my favorite books. This is one of my favorite verses. We talked last week and we launched out of Ephesians last week that God's 
The good news is not hidden, it's not concealed news, but it's news that God wants us to know, that he wants us to see. That a lot of times we go through life and go through our experiences and we feel like God is just kind of playing a little bit of a game of hide and seek where he's just saying, you know, he, he, there's something he wants us to do, there's purposes he has for us, there's answers to the questions, but he's hidden them behind some door or he's playing some kind of game of keep away from us and we just view God that way. But God does not operate that way. That's not who our God is. Our God wants to know. He wants us to know who he is and what his plans are, and he wants us to see the things that he has for us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, we see very clearly, it says this, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is what his eternal plan was, which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now boldly come and confidently come into God's presence. God had a plan that he set out in eternity's past. He knew what he wanted to do. He knew how he was going to enact it. He knew how he was going to reveal his glory. He knew what he was going to do in your life, what he wanted you to do in this life. He knew all of these things, and he set them into motion. And God has been working those things out through Christ since the beginning of time. And so God wants us to know things are not hidden and he's declared and he's given us ways to discover the things that he wants us to know and the things that he wants us to see. He is not hiding things from us. He's not cruel. He's not sitting there just waiting just for us to figure things out. He's not laughing. Well, maybe he's not fully laughing like when we mess up or something like that. I could imagine, right? If you've seen recently or following me on Facebook, I posted a video of Braden rolling down the mountain and I was hysterically laughing the whole time. I mean, come on, sometimes things are just funny, right, when you make certain mistakes. So I can imagine God's just like, <laughs> look at that. But he's still there caring, and he's still there loving. He's there to help, and he's there to support. And he's there to reveal and to show the things that he's wanting to do, that he's wanting us to see. He wants to declare his glory to this world. And not only does he want you to know who he is and what he's doing, he wants your family to know. He wants your neighbors to know. He wants your coworkers to know. He wants our community to know. He wants the world to know, the nations to know that he's a good God, that he's a present God, that he's a loving God, that he's there so that we can know true life and life in Jesus Christ. That's who our God is and that's what he's doing. God is declaring at all times. And he says that he's working all of this out through the church. And I know for each and every one of us, we're here at church. So there's at least a little bit of a piece of you that's okay with church, right? It's because you're here tonight. Unless you were just dragged here and forced to be here. Maybe you were told that you can't watch the Super Bowl tomorrow unless you came to church. But nevertheless, you're here, right? Which, by the way, was so a quick poll. Who thinks the Broncos are going to win? All right, all right, good stuff, good stuff. All right, all right. All right, and then uh, who thinks uh, the Panthers are going to win? All right, good stuff. All right, yeah, that's good stuff. Ricky has the largest reach in the church, and so it was just the highest right there, so we're going to go with the Panthers. All right, so there we go. But so um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. This is going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, I mean, you got wisdom versus youth, right? It's going to be awesome. So, But so, so he's wanting to reveal his plan. He's wanting to reveal his glory through the church. And so I know, you know, we're here at church tonight, so at least those of us that are here, we're like, hey, I'm somewhat okay with church. But I also know, too, that the view of church in our culture is rapidly changing. The understanding of what church is and the way that we do church, it's rapidly changing. 
I also know that there's a lot of things that are happening in the world that makes us question the motives of the church, the intentions of the church. I know that there's some pastors that have made some bonehead moves that makes it difficult to trust other pastors. I know that there's people in the church that do things that have hurt you and then you've had to move to another church. I know all of those things are there and I know all of those things are reality. I know that they're present. I know that they're things that we all have to face and deal with. But I want you to know this. That because of the good news, the church is not irrelevant. It's not some lingering, outdated part of some society that's long gone. The church itself is the very place that God has chosen to reveal who he is and to dwell with us and to reveal his glory to the world. That is the church. He has chosen through the church to dwell with us and to reveal his glory to the world. One of my favorite writers, he says this, because he has chosen to dwell through his spirit in the church, it is as close to heaven as we'll get here on earth. The church, I mean, when you're a part of a good church, when you're part of a healthy church, when you're with people at church that, man, you just love them and you just enjoy what God's doing and there's a worship moment that's just massive and, and the sermon is really good and, and your kids come out of kids' church. I mean, there's this moment where you're just like, man, I love my church. And it's not just a bumper sticker that you got on your car. Like, you really love your church and you're really excited about the things that God is doing in your church. God has put you in a church on purpose, and he's put you there for a reason, not just for you, but also for the world. I say it all the time that the church is God's plan A, it's not his plan B. That God set out to reveal his glory through the church. It wasn't like he was just like, okay, well, we got to figure some things out here. Let's see, Jesus died, and then he rose. Um, let's just try this church thing and to see how it works out, right? God was wanting to work through the church. That's his plan since the beginning of time is that you and I are invited to be a part of what he's doing in eternity. That you and I are invited to be a part of declaring that God is alive and that he's loving and that he's here in this world. God has invited you and I to be a part of that. And so I know the church has all of its issues and I know that there's some things that we look at culture and I know that church is what it is, but church is not irrelevant Church is not long gone and it's something that just a few people in our society do. That church has been, will always be something that God has set into place because it's the very place that he has chosen to dwell with us and reveal his glory to the world. And I know that church can be a little bit weird. I know that some things sometimes can be weird. I was a kid. I was a 90s youth kid. And if anybody can believe and experience that the church is weird, it's a 90s youth kid. Anybody out there with me? Come on. You're in your 30s and 40s. You know what I'm talking about, right? I remember a day, one time we walked into church. We were at a church and we walked in. And on the floor were these cutout footprints on the floor, right? All the way from one side of the church to another side of the church. You remember this, Dad? There was footprints all the way from where the youth met all the way into where the adults met. And they had these little cut up footprints and they were all the, just one set of footprints and they were all the same size. And so we walked in and I was like, what is this? What is happening? And they said, well, this is like the old sanctuary where the youth meet, right? This is the old sanctuary. And these footprints represent our forefathers that like paved the way for us to go into this new sanctuary. And so they had us like walk the footsteps and pray as we were doing it. And I, as like a 13-year-old kid, are like, wait a minute, there's 
old people that lived in there that now live in here? Like, are they ghosts? Are they like whatever? Like, it's already creepy enough being in here at dark by myself. Like, what's happening here? And like, we're just walking back and forth on these footprints. And I had no clue what was going on. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Like, this is so different and so weird. And I'm glad I didn't invite anybody tonight. I know those moments, right? I know we've all had these moments. We've all been there and experienced it. And as real as those things are, the truth and the reality is, is that God set things into motion for the church to declare his glory. This is the very place in which God dwells. Tonight, even as we worshiped, as we lifted our voices and lifted our hands together, his presence was here. His presence is here now. That God is with us, that he's speaking, that he's drawing, that he's working in our hearts, that he's shaping us. God, through his church, is wanting to open our eyes. And he's wanting us to see who he is and that he's here and that he's alive. And so if society has an idea that church is outdated, if society has an idea that the church is just for people who are weak, for people who just needed some kind of an intellectual crutch, if there's people in the church that are believers, they're, they're Christians, but they see church as something that's just an occasional thing. It's just something, a matter of choice that maybe you can go sometimes, maybe you can't go sometimes. It's okay if you never go to church. Like if that's your view of church or if those are people that have that view of church and it's starting to shape our culture a little bit, we've got to be able to pull out and look at it and say, man, that is not God's intention and that's not what God wanted. That's not what he set out. Paul, even himself, Paul writing in 1 Timothy, he's got a view when you look at just not just what Paul wrote, but you look at all the scripture that church itself is a central, it's central to the purpose of God in the world. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 14, he says this, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. Paul here, he's not talking about some building or some structure. He's not talking a place to where you have to go and that has to have some form of aesthetic or some type of ritual. Paul's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about believers that are together. He's talking about, Paul's trying to paint a picture for us, this, this group, this place that represents people coming together in community. More directly, he's talking about and representing, trying to paint a picture of a family, of God's family. See, that's what the church is. The church is not this building. Like, we can have church, and let's be honest, right? City Life Williamsburg, we've been here for three years. We met in an old theater that had mushrooms growing on the wall, and all of our kids were getting black lung from the mold. So we moved to the YMCA, right? You think I'm lying, but I'm not, right, guys that were there? We moved to the YMCA and we were in a setup and teardown situation. We laid the carpet every single week and we set up the entire church, set up all of our kid life stuff. We did it all, getting there at 6.30, 7 o'clock every Sunday morning, leaving at 1 o'clock every Sunday afternoon, tired and exhausted. We did that with the Newport News Campus meeting on Saturday nights and all of us hating our brothers and sisters in Christ because they're sleeping in while we're working. We've been there. We've done that, right? Like, we've met in different places, in different situations. It's not about where we meet. It's about the people that have come together. And God brings people together, not just so that we can say, oh, wow, look, somebody happened to come. God brings people into his family, and he brings people into different church communities because he wants them to be part of that 
family. God is working through us and he's shaping us and he's changing us through the family that he's placed us in. One of the reasons that we say all the time it's important for you to find a church home, whether it's this church or not, is because we believe that God's going to grow this church and we believe that God is going to sustain this church. Whether or not that means you're here or not, to us it matters, but what matters the most is, is that you're a part of a church. Because finding a community that you can connect with and be involved with and, and to be discipled in and to use your gift in, it's the most important thing you can do because it's what God set into motion for you to be able to help others and yourself to see his glory, to see that he's present, to see that he's active, to see that he's loving, and to be reminded on a regular basis that he's a good and just father. It happens through family. So I'm gonna walk here briefly to the structure of the God family. Looking at some things and pulling out some of these things here from 1 Timothy and looking at who we are, I'm gonna be kind of intertwining these, inter, what, intertwining, inter, inter, yeah, intertwining. What is that word? Intertwining those things together. So the makeup of the family of God. Don't judge me for misspeaking. So any family, the church is just like any other family, Right? And every family, I said it to our leaders before service, right? Every family, it's one of those things that most of the time you wish you didn't have to live with them. But when you're apart from them, you wish you never were apart from them. A family has its own dynamics and has its own, right, own realities. And in the same way, so does a church. And there's some structure, there's some things that we see in Scripture in which shapes the God family, which is the church. The first thing that we look at is we see is Paul's writing to Timothy here and he's telling Timothy, like, hey, you're a young guy, but you're a young leader. Timothy, he's a rock star. I mean, his church would be the biggest church probably in the world at the point, close to it. I mean, this guy's just a rock star and he's just doing amazing things and he's talking to Timothy as a leader to help encourage others to bring leadership to the church. And so we look at it and in the God family, there is leadership. There's a structure and there's a way that things are set up. We see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we see in Ephesians chapter 5, that how we govern our churches, how we lead our churches, it matters to God. It matters to God. Here at City Life, we have a church model, we have a governance model where we have concentric circles. I'm not going to get into what that is and how those circles work and all of that fun stuff. That's what the Discover City Life class is for, so we encourage you to go to that. But I'm going to tell you that the reason that we have these concentric circles is, is because we don't want to have a person that makes all of the calls for the entire church. We believe that there should be accountability and responsibility, but we also believe that there should be healthy relationship in the church. We have a model, we have a structure, we have things set into place where we can work together um, as, as God has called us to and we can uh, effectively move into the mission and the vision that God has given us as a church. We have a set leadership structure, not so that we can push people out, but so that we can invite God into the things that we're doing and that we can push ourselves out of the process. Does that make sense? That is what we're doing. It matters to God. 
Whether you're looking to this church or another church, you need to go to a church that has a healthy model of leadership that pays attention to how it governs itself and how it governs what it does as a church. That it's not just a person making all of the calls, but it's a group of people that are committed to the vision that God has given to the church that's prayerfully seeking his will and his direction. A team that's able to come together that says no to things, that says yes to things, that dreams big and chases after the things that God has for this family and not settling for the things that they're okay and comfortable with. Leadership absolutely matters. And if you read 1 Timothy and you read Ephesians, you see all of the things that are played out in there because that is the way that God has set it up. We see in this, and one of the things that we have here as a church is that we want to make sure it's a core value that we have, and some of you are going to nod your heads, and some of you are going to smile, that we want to have open and direct conversations as a church. In our leadership model, we, we try to have open and direct conversations with each other, that nothing's off the table, that we believe that God has put us in each other's lives on purpose so that we can talk about the tough things and the hard things, that God has put us there in each other's lives to encourage each other, to shape each other, to, to lead each other, to be more like Jesus. And so there is a leadership process in this church that there are leaders that have a vision, an idea of where we're going as a church, but we call each and every person to be a leader in the church, that we're all leading each other to be more like Christ. And we wanna have open and honest conversations with each other. We wanna be engaged in what God is doing in each other's lives. We don't want to be sitting idly by. We want to be talking about the things that God is doing. And we want to be leading ourselves and leading the church to the places that he's going. And so in that, the next core value that we're going to talk about is relationships. We're huge on relationships here at the church. One of the reasons that we meet on Saturday nights is, is because we, want, we don't want the church to be a place that fractures the family. We don't think that meeting on church on Sunday is wrong. We just want to provide an opportunity for people to have a place where they can come to church on a Saturday night, have their Sundays to rest and to focus on their relationship with God and their relationship with others. We want relationships because God has given us relationships to help to see his love and his grace and his mercy. We want relationships to be an important part of who we are as a church. It's a value. We fight for relationships. Our teams, we try to encourage each other to hang out and to do things together, to interact together. We meet on Saturday nights. They, I, I push back on this several times, but the reason we meet at five o'clock is, is so we can have enough time to get service done if I'm able to shut up quick enough and get out of here so that we can go and have dinner out afterwards together because it gives us a chance to, to build relationships and to connect with people because God is putting people in your life through the church so that he can shape you and show you what he's doing and show you where he wants to go. And one of the things about that is, is that we get into the church sometimes and we kind of get in, I don't know if I can connect with those people. I don't know if I like those people. I don't know if those people are my kind of people. But the reality of it is, if you think about it this way, if God is shaping his family through the church, that you don't get to choose who's in your family, right? I mean, you get to choose one. You get to choose your spouse. But other than that, you don't get to choose who's in your family, Right? You can choose your friends, but you don't get to always choose your family. And one of the things that we want to push and challenge you as a church is, is to see that relationships, that the relationships in a church, the relationships that a family, that a, that a church family brings, that those are not a choice that you have, but those are actually a divine mandate. That God has put people in your life and he's connecting you with people because he wants to use that person to make you more like Jesus. And he wants to use you to help make them more like Jesus. 
You want to do everything you can to engage in relationships. And we as a church want to do everything we can to move you into a place where you can be open and involved in relationships, where you're talking with people, doing life with people. I love seeing on Facebook all the people in the church going to hang out together, eating together, exercising together, doing life groups together. The reason we do life groups is not just so that we can have something else to offer during the week. It's because relationships matter. God is forming a family. And if we just come together for an hour and a half, two hours on a Saturday, you're not going to have a healthy relationship. So we do life groups so that we can engage together and be a part of the things that God's doing and see what he's doing in each other's lives. So that's why we do life groups. That's why we encourage people to serve in the church. There are people that are friends now that probably never would have been friends, but because they served together at a church service, now they're probably best of friends. God uses opportunities in the church to put you alongside of people that you never knew you could have connected with, that you never knew could have had something to give you to grow you in your relationship with God. Relationships absolutely matter. And God has given us an opportunity in this world to see that he's not a distant God far off doing whatever it is that he wants to, but that he's a real God who is present, who is here with us. And we get to see that as we're doing life together with each other. As we have those hard conversations, as we have those difficult moments, we get to see that God is working and that he's active and that he's speaking to each and every one of us. One of the things, though, that's awesome about church Moving into our next core value here. One of the things awesome about church is, is if you don't get to pick who your family is, right? And God just puts you and you say, man, this is the church I'm supposed to be at. And I don't know about that person that sits over there. But maybe I can just avoid them and not get coffee when they get coffee. But I like everybody else. But you're here, right? And you're just kind of there. And God puts you in this place. And God says, man, this is where I want you to be. And this is where I'm going to grow you. And this is where I'm going to shape you. And you're here. And, 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 and God's just moving in you that he's put different people here for a different reason. And don't fight against that. Don't push against that. God has put different people here that have different views than you, that have different opinions than you, different backgrounds than you, because they have something that he wants you to see. They have something that's gonna help you and shape you. If you get to a place where you wanna be around a bunch of people that are just like you, you get into a scary place where you begin to replicate yourself. And I don't know if you saw, like we were talking about this recently. You remember that movie, Multiplicity? Remember that movie back in the day, Multiplicity? If you haven't seen it, you need to watch this one scene where this dude, he starts cloning himself and he makes a copy of himself and he goes and does all the fun stuff and sends that one to work and that one's like, man, this is dumb. So he makes a copy of himself so that he can then do all of the fun stuff and send this one to work. And so you got all of these clones making clones of themselves. So it's copies of copies of copies. And like by the time you get to the sixth guy, he's missing a few things. And he's not normal, right? He's not right. It's one of the funniest scenes in the world. Actually, it's funny to me I hold it so dear in my heart because it's one of the first moments I ever saw dad just cry laughing from a movie I mean he was just dying laughing so it's just when you make a thing when you're just replicating yourself you're duplicating who you are over and over by hanging out with the same people you're gonna get yourself in trouble you're gonna get yourself in a place where you're gonna be doing things that you don't wanna do or you're gonna have a mindset or perspective that's keeping you from the things of God because you're surrounding yourself with people just like yourself be engaged in a church, a healthy church that has healthy leadership that's forcing and encouraging relationships with people that aren't like you and God begins to do something in you and shape you to be who he wants you to be. And so one of our next values, one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight is, is that we wanna to be a church that champions and we are a church that champions diversity. 
that you should be doing everything you can to engage in connecting with people and spending time with people that are not like you. And if you say, I don't like being around people that don't like me, then you need to hang out with four people that aren't like you. Right? Because I'm just telling you, man, it's, it does something in your life. When you hang out with people, when you realize that you're connected with people at a deep spiritual level, at a family level, at a communal level with people that are different than you, it helps you to see things differently and to experience things differently. We want to be a church that's set out to be generationally diverse. Joan and Luke, they're not here tonight. They're in their 80s, close to their 90s. I love that couple. I spend time with them. I call them on a regular basis. They are a part of this church. They are an incredible gift to the kingdom of God. I mean, they got saved late in life, and they got set so on fire for God, they moved to China and gave everything up to teach English and to rent people to Jesus Christ in China in their 50s. I mean, they're awesome. They're encouraging to me. Whenever I get to a place of settling, I just want to go talk to them because they challenge me. And Luke, man, he's a challenging, honorary guy. I love that guy. I remember when I was first here, it was like my third week here, and I hadn't spoken yet. And Luke walked up to me, and he's just like, hey, when are you preaching? I said, well, I'm going to preach in two weeks. He said, why aren't you preaching today, you coward? <laughs> I was just like, I was like, ah, I love it, right? Like, I'm just telling you, I, when you, listen, youth, listen, like, I know it's awesome to hang out with super cool people like me all the time, right? But listen, you need to hang out with old people like my dad, right? You need to do everything you can to connect with people. He's not old, but you need to hang out with Mike Marr. I mean, he's got a lot to give, right? He's got a lot that you can experience and a lot you can see. And hey, if you're a little bit seasoned in life, I'll be nice and kind to you. You need to hang out with us and you need to hang out with these kids. Man, we need to be a generationally diverse church. Don't question and judge another generation. Be a part of what they're doing and allow through relationship God to use you to bring the things that he's given you as a gift into their lives. And God's gonna use them to bring a gift into your life to continue to see that God's moving forward and that the best days aren't behind you, but the best days are ahead of you. We wanna be generationally diverse. We wanna be culturally diverse. We wanna be ethnically diverse. We wanna be racially diverse. We wanna be socially diverse. I look across the crowd and I see this crowd and it's not all white people and I love it. I love it. It makes me excited. We work as a church. Our staff is not all white. We do that on purpose. Our leadership is not all white on purpose. We want diverse people with diverse cultures and diverse backgrounds. We, because we believe that when we bring people in together and say, hey, listen, this is what God's doing in my life, and we see things differently, and we talk about things differently, and we bring our different experiences to the table, that it helps us to see how big God is, how great he is, how glorious he is, and all the things that he's doing. It opens our eyes wider to the gospel and the reality of the power of our God. We allow women to be a part of our leadership. We allow women to get up and speak on the microphone because they have a gift to give. We wanna be diverse and we want to be involved in the things that God is doing and we want to step out and we want to be mindful about it. We don't wanna be crazy or whatever else, but we wanna be mindful, but we wanna set up and say, no, I wanna be a part of the things that God is doing and I wanna be a part of the life that he's called me to. I wanna be connected to the people that he's called me to be connected to not the people that I'm comfortable around, not the people that I wanna be around, not the people that are my favorite, not the people that are, I wanna be around the people that God wants me to be around and I want my heart to be changed, to move to be a place that they are the ones that I wanna be around. Does that make sense? Look at it this way. So there's a scientific thing that actually even helps out here. 
It's called the ketchup principle. The ketchup principle is this. There's a study that's out there that if you are from Britain or, and again, this is not just a stereotype or whatever else. It's just by and large, but not absolute for every single person. So if you're from Britain or if you're an African-American from the South, you keep your ketchup in the cupboard usually. Studies show. If you are from the Northeast or other parts of the world, then you keep your ketchup in the refrigerator. All right? So here's the ketchup principle. All right? If you keep your ketchup in the refrigerator and you run out of ketchup and you need some kind of condiment to go with your french fries or something like that, you reach for mayonnaise or mustard or something like that because you keep those in your ketchup, in your refrigerator, right? Tracking with me? If you keep your ketchup in the cupboard, then you go to your cupboard and you don't have ketchup, you reach for vinegar or something like that, right? And it replaces, right? All right, you tracking with me? So it's this thing. If you bring like-minded people around you that keep the ketchup in the refrigerator, right? All you're gonna do is be limited on the things that you see and that you find as solutions in your life. But if you expand your horizons and you expand your views and you expand your relationships and you push yourself into a place where you say, I wanna be where God has me and this is a relationship God's given me. Yeah, they have a different view and yeah, they have a different background and yeah, they might look different. Yeah, they talk a little bit different. Yeah, this is different. All those things, you know what? They're saying the same thing about you. You're different too, right? So don't think you're right in their own minds, right? In your own mind. Like you just keep your catch up in a different place than they do. And who knows when you're talking that all of a sudden they can help you see things in a way that you've never seen it before. Scientists know this. Scientists, in fact, they involve themselves whenever they're studying, they're trying to find a breakthrough. They will bring somebody in that has an idea of their study but doesn't, isn't like a professional in their study. So there's somebody who understands like the study of dirt. They'll bring him into a certain study of bacteria because then they know that they're going to think about things differently. They're not locked into what they've been trained and study in. Does that make sense? And so here's the crazy thing about it is, is that it's not the most efficient way. And one of the marks against the church is, a lot of times is, is that, you know what, the church could accomplish so much more. And the church could do so much more. And there's churches sometimes that go through and they beat the drum. You gotta be one way and you gotta do one thing and you gotta do it a certain way and here's how you gotta do it. And they go through and do that because efficiency becomes the mode of focus. It becomes the things that we're supposed to do. We gotta be like each other. We gotta say the same thing and do the same thing because we gotta get to the same place as quick as we possibly can. Being diverse and having different conversations and allowing different things, it's not always the quickest way to get there and it's not always the easiest way and it's definitely sometimes the messiest way to get there but it's the most important way because science is showing and God shows all throughout a scripture that when you bring people together focused on one thing with different backgrounds and diverse backgrounds, that God works through that to bring solutions and ideas to the table that no one would have ever thought of. Fight for relationships. Fight for those things. Be engaged in relationships. Be open to diversity. Be open to the things that God's doing because when you do that and you step into that place and you step into those relationships and you step into the things that God's doing, that is where you begin to find your purpose. Because listen, family, the church, it is the matrix for individual purpose. I'm just telling you right now that who I am today and where I am, it's because of the church that I hated for so much of my teenage life. 
but it was because of a person who was willing to think differently and step outside of the box and invite me into his world and say, I want you to be a part of this. When I became a part of his family and I was accepted not for what I did or who I was, but I was accepted for one specific thing. When I was accepted for that one thing, just for what God could do in my life. When he looked at me and didn't see my failures and my mistakes, but he looked at what God wanted to do in me and what he could do through my life. When he accepted me for that, I began to discover the purpose that God had for my life. If you're sitting there tonight and you're saying, I don't know where I'm supposed to go and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know why I'm where I am and I don't know what's going on. I just wanna challenge you this. Are you plugged into the body of Christ? Are you deeply connected and intertwined into the network of God's family? Are you positioning yourself into a place to be open to people that are different than you, that are beside you, that think differently, that act differently? Are you in deep relationship with people? Are you open to the conversations? Are you open to people being able to step into your life and give you leadership and say, hey, you're going down the wrong path. You should go down this path. Are you in that type of relationship? Because if you are, you're on the path to begin to discover the purpose that God has for you. You're gonna to begin to get to a place to discover who you are and what it is that God wants to do through you. But if you're doing your own thing and you're resisting relationship and you're stepping outside of leadership and you're stepping out all of that stuff, I'm just telling you, you're gonna to get to a place where you're isolated and you'll never find anything on your own. If you're living on the peripheral of life, you're gonna experience a marginal life. And I'm just challenging you and I'm calling you to jump in. Is it messy to be a part of a family? Yes, it is. Are you gonna get hurt because you're a part of a family? Yeah, probably. Are people gonna say things to you that are stupid? Are people gonna say things that just hurt your feelings sometimes? Possibly. But I'm just telling you this. When you jump into the things that God is doing and when you involve yourself and you position yourself to be a part of a God family that he has placed you in, you're exactly where he wants you to be so that he can show you what it is that he's wanting to do in your life and through your life. If you're looking for what it is that you wanna do, if you're looking for that purpose, if you feel like you're just inadequate, you feel like you're just missing something, I'm telling you, lean into the church and the relationship that's discovered in the church. Don't run from it. Because there in that place, you'll find that you're belonging to something. And when you find that you belong to something, when you find that you're a part of something, it changes who you are and what you're doing. One of the things that I want you to hear and I want you to know, as a church, one of our things that we're committed to is to not accept you because of what you have to offer to the church. We wanna accept you and embrace you to be a part of this family, not because of your gifts and your talents, but because of how much our Heavenly Father loves you. And when you step into a place where you can belong because our Heavenly Father loves you, because you're loved by God, and that's the whole reason that God has brought you into this family, you begin to see things differently. The things that have been walls before, they begin to drop. Your heart begins to open, and you begin to see the goodness of who God is, and you begin to see the things that He's calling you to do. I just wanna challenge you and I wanna encourage you to step into belonging and be a part of who God is and what he's doing through this family. Because when we gather, as we just saw in scripture, when we gather, God declares 
his glory to the world. In Ephesians, I'm going to read a couple other verses here real quick. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, it says this, For two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. In the Old Testament, we see all throughout Scripture that God's promises to us, God's promises to the Israelites is that he will be there with them, that he will walk alongside them, that he will be in their camp, that he will be their God, and that they will be his people. God's promise all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament is, is that he is a present God, that he is there in our midst. And when we come together as a church, when we come together in this place to engage in worship together, if we were to gather together in the parking lot or if we were to gather together at the pizza place afterwards, when we come together in relationship and through worship, that his presence is there and that the world through our relationships with each other, our relationship to the community, how we serve the community, how we serve each other, how we serve one another, God begins to reveal himself to those that are watching, to those that are looking and those that aren't even curious begin to become curious when we gather together. One of the reasons that we have services on a weekly basis is not so that, in contrary to some people's opinions, not just so that we can take up offering, right? The reason we come together on a weekly basis is because when we come together in worship centered around Jesus Christ, his presence is here in a unique and a powerful way. And it opens us up to who God is and what he's doing. And it moves our heart closer to who he is and who he wants us to be. And when we continue to do that throughout the week, and we continue to do that through intentional relationships in our workplace, and we continue to do that through relationships and serving in the church and in the community, and we continue to do that through relationships and life groups and all of these different places, we begin to position ourselves in a place where we're saying, God, I want to do the things you've called me to do, and I want to be in the place that you've called me to be, and I want to be the person that you've created me to be. And I'm going to allow them to be a part of the process of you shaping me and changing me, growing me and developing me. And when we're in that place, when you're in that place, you sing that song we sang tonight, God, I lay it down. I mean, that's how you lay things down. That's how you say, God, I just want to do what you call me to do and be where you've called me to be. I just want to do that is because you're open to who God is because you have people speaking into your life. You have people encouraging you. You have people correcting you. You have people challenging you. You have people saying you could do more. I'm just telling you, a lot of times we get into a place where we step away and we wonder where God is and we wonder what God's doing and we wonder why God's not answering our prayers and we wonder all of these different things. And when we're waiting on the most important relationship that we can have, we're stepping away from the relationships that God's given us right here on this earth. I'm just telling you, man, this has been one of the biggest things to me as a follower of Christ, is to step into the reality that God is alive and that he's active and that he's working through his church. It's not pretty sometimes because we're involved. It's not perfect because we have human decisions in the process of God working out his plan. But man, there's nothing better than being part of a church, than having relationships with people that two years ago could have been a distant person that you never would have known. It could have been somebody that you just never thought you could have get along with. 
And then because you've come together in God's church, centered around Jesus, he's given you a brother or he's given you a sister who would lay their lives down for you. There's so many things that I've almost stepped into or places I've almost gone that God has been able to prevent and to encourage me to do the right things because of my church family. So as a church, these are some of the things that we're doing and these are some of the things that we kind of fight for and that we encourage. But the biggest thing is this, is that God has a purpose. He has a plan, and he's working that plan out. And he's wanting to work that plan out through you and me. And he's made that possible through Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, I'm going to read this now, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. He's bringing us together as a family. He's putting each and every one of us together. He's placing us in each and every one of our churches. He's given us the opportunities that he's given us in this world so that we can declare the truth, so that we can fight for the truth, so that we can proclaim the truth. And the truth of the good news is this, is that through faith in Jesus Christ, he has reconciled us to him. We can be in relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. And not only do we get to be in relationship with God, but we get to be in deep, meaningful relationships with other people. And not only do we get to be in relationships with other people, but through those relationships, God is set out to change the world and to change eternity because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and because of him wanting to work through each and every one of us. That's pretty exciting stuff right there. It's pretty encouraging stuff to see that God has a plan and he's working it out and he's working out through the church. And so as the worship team comes up, we're gonna take communion here in a moment. And I want this communion moment to be a moment where we intentionally stop and we think about where we are and we think about our perspective. We think about where we are in life and our perspective on life Think about where we are in the relationships that we have and our connection with other people and the perspective that we have of where we thought we would be at this stage in life. I want you to stop and I want you to think and I want you to see in your own life the moments where you could have stepped into a moment of relationship. You could have stepped into something that God was doing, but you stepped back a little bit. You held off a little bit. You got to a place where you said, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And I just want you to be reminded, and as I'm being reminded, that God is at work and that God is doing something. God is set out and he's changing the world and he's trying to reveal on a regular basis that he's a God who is here. And he's called you to be a part of that. And he's called you to experience the things that he is doing. And he's called you to reach somebody and to love somebody else. And he wants to work through you. And he wants to open your eyes and he wants to use you to open up somebody else's eyes. 
Don't look at yourself as an individual that's just isolated in the world that has no impact on anything. Our Heavenly Father loves you and He gave everything for you. He's a sovereign God and He's aware of every single thing that is going on in your life. He's aware of every detail. He's aware of every pain. He's aware of every joy. He is ever present in your life just as much as He is in my life. He's a sovereign God. He's a powerful God. He's a holy God. And He wants you to know who He is. And He wants you to know what He's doing. And He wants your parents to know. And He wants your siblings to know. And He wants your coworkers to know. And He wants your neighbors to know. And He wants people to know that you are able to be in relationship with a holy and a just God because Jesus gave His life for you and I. So as you stand and worship with me, as they begin to sing, you can go out and you can take the elements. We don't ask that you be a member of the church. We just ask that you at some point can find a moment where you have made a vow of devotion to say, I follow you, Jesus. Lord, I'm making you the Lord of my heart. If you have a moment where you've done that in your life, then you can join us in this moment and come and take the cup and take the bread and you can take them back to your seat. You can go find a corner. You can join with your family and take the elements on your own and then finish by worshiping with us in this song. I'm gonna come up and close this in prayer, but I just wanna challenge in you, I just wanna challenge you that during this moment and during this time, to see that you're not here by happenstance, that God is doing something and that there's something more that he wants to do through you and in you. And there's something that he has for this world and there's something that he has for you. And that it's all possible because of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Join me as we take communion.
one of the things that I wanted us to walk away with tonight. And just to be honest with you, one thing, we're, uh, we're pretty honest and real church. So I'm just going to be honest with you. There's a moment at the end where I'm just like, man, this is not what I wanted to say. And this is not where I wanted to go. So I'm just going to rephrase this real quick. I'm not going to re-preach. So don't worry. It's not going to be a long time. But at the end there, I just wanted to get across is that a lot of times we wonder where God's at and what God is doing. And I just want you to be encouraged to know this, that God is active in humanity and he's always been active in humanity. The world is looking for God's love and they're wanting to discover that he's a real God who is truthful to what his word says. They're looking. They're trying to discover. And I know that you're looking. And I know that I'm looking. That there's moments and there's times where I just, God, where are you at? And because of Jesus, and because of Jesus dying on the cross, it says in Ephesians that God accomplished his eternal plan. He set things out for his church to be born so that through his church, through the body of Christ, his glory would be made known. If you're looking for where God is at in your life, and you're looking for his activity, and you're looking to discover where he's at, and to hear his goodness, and to see his activity, look no further than his church, because his church is his people gathered together. And he says that where his people are, he is there. Come to church. If you've got to drag yourself into church, if you go to another church and you've got to drag yourself there, you don't have to look any further than there to see that God is present and God is real. And when we see in our church and in our lives that God is present and real, and when we love each other and we're known by how we love each other, and when we're living for each other and we're sacrificially committed to each other and we're invested in relationships to a level that doesn't make sense to the world, the world sees and the world knows that God is real and that God is present. Be encouraged. Be challenged. Step deeper into your relationship with others and deeper into your relationship with God because it's through the church that God is declaring the good news to you and I in every way, every single day. I want you to walk away tonight knowing, again, His plan is not hidden. It's there in front of you. And maybe it's in the person sitting next to you and going out to dinner with them. And maybe it's staying and worshiping a little bit longer. Maybe it's jumping into and serving somewhere. But God is wanting to speak and God is wanting to reveal and he's wanting you to show who he is. And he wants you to see that he loves you, that he has a plan for you, that he has a purpose for you, that he's working all things out, that he's in control, that he's faithful, and that he can be trusted. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you back next week.